I don't even know how to bring this up, but I really want to talk about anal sex. Welcome to the Liberating Me podcast, the podcast where we talk about love, sex, relationship, and personal growth in the most liberating way. A podcast where you can expect candid conversations and truth bombs along the way. So welcome back everyone and thank you so much for tuning in. You can be doing literally in anything right now, but here you are paying attention with the work that I do. So today our topic is quite daring. As a heterosexual female, being born and raised in a very conservative Catholic upbringing. I don't even know how to bring this up, but I really want to talk about anal sex. Yes, all things anal, but not really. A lot of people typically assume that anal sex is for women, meaning being the one on the receiving end. Or it usually happens on gay relationships. Although there is an entire topic on why it is an area worth exploring as a woman in the receiving end, I would like to explore more in detail how it can be an empowering narrative for a woman to not only receive but also to give. So I have a very interesting colleague here that I've invited from the realm of the love sex coaching relationship. I'm inviting Annabelle, a sacred prostitute who is well versed in giving anal sex to men. Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. Thank you so much for coming in and just having the boldness and courage to share your story. But first things first, can you share about your journey in becoming a sacred prostitute? A lot of people haven't heard that. Well, I hadn't. So um, I became what I call a sacred prostitute really as a kind of act of rebellion. I, <laughs> I was raised a very, very conventional, very regular middle class middle england and i'd grown to be a very middle-aged woman or i felt i felt exceedingly middle-aged by my early 40s and it just felt like a bold audacious reclamation of me so i couldn't think of any reason why not to so i did and so i i guess i started when i started working in that way it was it was a personal journey it was big middle finger up to the patriarchy and against and to all the rules and the codes of behavior that I I felt at that point in my life had kept me so small like Mm -hmm. there were so many shoulds and so many expectations of how I should show up in the world as a middle class white woman in England and Mm -hmm. I'd always been very envious of I guess women that I would call courtesans so my favourite opera is La Traviata. And to me, she's the most incredible woman on the planet. And yes, mm-hmm. the moral story is that she dies, et cetera, et cetera. So of course she has a bad ending because she was a essentially a high-class sex worker. But um, yeah, I was just drawn to it. I just, and one day, <laughs> I'd forgotten this. One day I was sitting in the kitchen, nursing a cup of tea, facing my fridge, and I, you know, I, I was new to Facebook and I was reading all these spiritual posts and people saying, you know, um, follow your heart, do what makes you makes your soul sing, all this kind of stuff. And I was looking at my fridge and feeling quite down. I was teaching at the time and just feeling exhausted and drained and like so much was being pulled out of me in so many different directions. I wanted more time for my personal work and for myself and for everything. And I looked at the fridge and I say, I just I didn't actually ask the fridge. I was just looking at the fridge and I spoke out loud. 
I just don't know how to what how I can reclaim some time and space and fun in my life. And my fridge had this poster on it saying or a little postcard on it saying do what makes your soul sing and I said out loud to the fridge at this point now what makes my soul sing is sex and I swear to god the fridge laughed back yes. at me <laughs> it was it's like such a so I did I just set myself up and um and at the beginning it was just I just worked well I've always just worked very intuitively in that realm I had no training I didn't I, I created my own website. I didn't go via an agency or anything like that. So I was just me doing my thing on my terms, attracting my clients, serving them in my way. And it was a blast. And then I guess it became more and more spiritual and in my mind, more and more sacred. And I recognized by doing the work, how deeply healing, how healing the work was. I didn't, I didn't know that from the outset. I was doing it for a giggle. Mm-hmm. And to be a rebel and to be naughty and and as I was doing it and I guess this is why I accepted your invitation to talk tonight and I think I, don't, I haven't talked to many other prostitutes to be honest but I think the big secret is it's a deeply deeply healing profession that most people don't know about mm-hmm. yeah and just to give context to the listeners did you shift from like a regular day job sitting in your fridge and you're like okay I need to do what I love what makes me giggle and I love sex makes me giggle makes me sing and then transitioning to becoming technically the layman's term is like a sex worker basically (laughs) that is just so amazing (laughs) for a couple of weeks I overlapped so a couple of days a week I did my regular job which was in teaching and the other couple of days a week I did my my passion job which was working as Annabelle and very soon I had to give up the teaching because it was costing me money to teach. It was costing me significant money to teach. And just taking so many hours of my day, you know, teaching took a huge chunk of me. And a big attraction to me in doing, enjoying sex for, as sex work, as opposed to just having a giggle with, you know, in my spare time, a huge attraction to me was the fact that I could earn in just a couple of hours a day what I would previously earn in a full day. And that meant I could claim back so much of my feminine space. I didn't want to work these yeah. long, grueling hours of kind of, it felt, I love teaching. And there are aspects mm. of the job that just feel immensely draining. And I just got mm. to a point in my life where I wanted to have more space to meditate and read and walk and eat and drink and drift and daydream and just feel more aspects of my humanity than just being a worker bee I think it's a great job yeah I honestly think it is a great job too because I have a friend who have expressed to me that she loves sex you know she just loves hooking up she enjoys having sex I think I think at one point she have expressed I think I have a sex addiction and I'm just very much in supportive of what it may look like for her and it came to a point that she was hanging out with a bunch of transgender friends who are um, sex workers and have seen their lifestyle have seen that you know an hour of it five hundred dollars it's it's easy money and then she was so tempted to do it and just the fear of like being judged by others. And I told her, if you enjoy having sex, why would, and you love doing it to begin with, right? Why would you do it for free? (laughs) 
right? If you can make that choice, like a lot of men understand when they pay for sex workers, they're understanding the transaction behind it. Like this is an exchange of energy. If I want something, this is how much I'm going to get paid versus in like in the dating realm, we'll kind of like tiptoe around and when I, when I will be getting laid, stuff like that. And when she shifted to that industry and only few of our friends know about that she shifted to that industry and I'm like cheering her on and I told her that it's very empowering and there's a huge discovery of mm. her sense of self-worth. So a lot of people would message her and I can only afford $50, would you, you know? And she's like, uh-uh. Uh no, you uh uh-uh, for fifty no if you know that's way below sale price and I think that's that's true. It's very healing and empowering just witnessing her journey and even the economics of it, right? Like having meeting clients here and there, but now she just have the ability to just flow and just accept mm-hmm. things as they are and not worry about like having to go for work, being burnt out, <laughs> preparing for work, all that transit stuff. Now she can enjoy the lifestyle that she wants, enjoy the things that she wants to do and have fun with it. So I'm curious now that you're in this fun, exciting journey in your life. What are the most, who are your clients first and foremost? Like, are there just men or are there any women or solely men? I would say 95% men. I have had female clients and I also work sometimes with couples. Mm-hmm. I find navigating couples work. I've created more and more rules around couples work because the dynamic I find deeply uncomfortable is when you end up being asked to join a couple because essentially that's the only way she will give him freedom to experience other women. It's a bit like it's almost like the energy of a woman taking a dog for a walk on a lead. And I don't like that yeah. energy. Like if you want me to join you genuinely as a couple for equal pleasure and you're both equally empowered and excited by it, amazing. So often quite a negative energy comes into the room in that kind of possessive, I need to control, but I give him permission if I'm here. I hated that. So when I work mm-hmm. with couples, it's very much about two people worshipping the feminine. That's that's now my rule around couples. Yeah, that's And I love it. It's amazing. Well, that's really great. So let's shift a little bit with your work with men since 95% of your clients are men. So what type of services do they usually come for you? So again, that shifted through by my career as Annabelle. So at the beginning, when I didn't recognize my value so much, and I was, you know, I was newbie. So I was I was for the service I was providing, I was way too cheap. And I would do what's called in the industry full service. And so I had a lot of sex and it was great. And then I think that's the best part, you know, it was amazing. And it was also, you know, I was moving my energy to keep up with a man's energy two times a day, which doesn't sound a huge amount, but actually I'm a woman and I have a feminine mm-hmm. energy and I have quite mm-hmm. a deep slow. But when you're charging for the hour, you don't get to do deep slow. You have to do rapid and fast. So that became yeah. less and less pleasurable for me. And my number one rule about doing it was it has to be about my pleasure. Like I'm not doing this if I'm not getting a yeah. pleasure from it. So then my work started shifting more and more towards um, tantric massage, to, towards moving energy because I got more and more interested because this work was paying for me to explore my sexuality, right? I wasn't doing nothing about it. I was growing as a woman myself. Yeah. 
so I got more and more excited and interested in initiating men, initiating them into the art of what I call sacred sexuality or conscious sexuality, moving energy around them, giving them their first full-bodied orgasm, helping them experience their bodies in new ways. That became still, I find, the most exciting thing to be able to do in life. So that's... Mm -hmm. And that's how you started working with men, is introducing them to sacred sexuality. And one of our main topics is today is anal giving as a woman giving it to men. How how did you end up, first of all, do you provide mm -hmm. that service? And second, if you do, how did you end up being introduced to that type of service for men? So, you know, the thing about sexuality is if you enter into sexuality with a curious, open mind, opportunities present themselves. The body is this incredible instrument and we've been conditioned to play only tiny parts of it. And when you when you work and play in sex like I was like I've been doing, you learn to start playing the entire body and watch the whole body and read the whole body and respond to what the body's doing. So in my um, very rarely did men, I think on my site, it did say that I offered um, prostate massage. I'm not entirely sure, but very rarely did it come up prior to an appointment. It would something there would be an energy there would be. A very good, a good example of what would happen would be I'd be massaging the back of a man and his buttocks and just moving him into a very relaxed state. And when you're massaging a man's bum, mm -hmm. very often it'll just relax and open. And there'll be it'll just be such just like a woman's body does. You know, when our body is ready to be penetrated, it opens and it invites it invites a finger, a tongue or a cock in, mm -hmm. right? And this is exactly, exactly the same with a man. Yes. So, the, so the buttocks would just kind of part and the anal rose was sort of um, pinken. Is that a word? You know, blood would, would move to the anal rose. It would get darker. It would just be really clear just by, and there'd be an energy and there'd be an invitation. So pretty much every single time I would ask verbally. Sometimes I knew the client well enough and we had an established relationship. So I wouldn't necessarily ask because I trusted I trusted that he was connected enough to his body for his mind to be in agreement with his body. But most of the time yeah. I would check in. I'd say to his mind, to his voice, his head, I'm getting an invitation to go in to your anus or however I'd phrase it. I'm getting an invitation to go inside. How does that sit with you? And it would vary. Sometimes it would, there'd be a massive clenching, like a really shocked response of no, 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 please don't do that which I obviously respected. And sometimes there was a, oh, okay, that wasn't something I was expecting. I was like, and then we'd have a bit of a conversation and say, well, I'm really feeling it from your body. And I'd explain what I was going to do. And other times it was like, oh my God, yes, please. No one's ever offered. And I've been dying to experience this, but I didn't think I could ask type thing. So the, the responses would vary massively. And then you just do as we would like men to do with us. You you enter very, very slowly. You You put your finger against the outside of the rose you make the invitation you have lots of oil I also use lots of lube so I'd have very oily hands because I've been doing the whole of his body I'd have a finger covered in lube I'd make the invitation and I'd just allow it to open around my finger and slowly go further and further in and feel for the prostate that's invariably what I was aiming for was to go in massage the inside just like you do when you do a vaginal massage a yoni massage just kind of Mm -hmm. spend a bit of time on any points of tension and hot mm -hmm. spots tight spots inside the anus but and then head for, for the prostate and massage it like you do the g-spot 
And for you as a woman, being able to deliver this uh, type of experience for men, how does that feel for you? Sounds like so fun and exciting. And there's a shift. This is what I think is so powerful. The shift you go from, it's the, it's the way, it's the moment in sex where, where the woman, where for me, I shifted from being very much in my feminine receiving energy and I experienced myself in my masculine giving energy. And obviously he's doing the reverse. So it's the time in sex when he is stepping into his feminine and he's receiving and he's experiencing what it's like to be penetrated. I think it's why it's so, so powerful because far from making him a wuss or making him less of a man or any of these kind of cultural stereotypes, it makes him a joined up man. When we partition off 50% of our humanity and we deny ourselves access to our masculine if we're women and feminine if we're men, we're essentially conducting ourselves as half beings in the world, right? And mm-hmm. when men allow themselves to be penetrated and they spend time with their feminine energy, honestly, they would, apart from the fact it's really orgasmic and, and it's a different level of orgasm, it's just, I can't explain it. They would just leave fuller, rounder, bigger beings. And it yes. enabled me to be the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's so exciting. When for those men, for those men who have responded, that says, oh, I was not expecting that. And you guys have a conversation and essentially it would turn out to be their first time experiencing it. Have they come back and want it again? Yes. And how do you think that shifted the way they live their life from someone who is not, who haven't fully embraced their feminine and just allow things be and receive from being in their feminine, allowing a woman to to give and them just laying there and just receiving and just embodying that entire experience? That is such a good question. And I actually genuinely can't answer it because I wasn't in relationships with these men. I didn't know them outside of these sessions. So Mm -hmm. I know from the fact that I would get a lot of repeat custom like people came back to me again and again and again and again and I know that once someone had experienced anal massage anal sex prostate massage whatever you want to call it they would want that incorporated going forwards so yes at some level I think that's that's just the pure pleasure of it you know they're accepting a part of their bodies that they've just denied and repressed up until that point. And I, I have no idea. I mean, I'm a firm, firm believer in the fact that it would make, I absolutely 100% know that a man who has been penetrated learns how to penetrate with more sensitivity and more thought and more consciousness and more love because he knows how vulnerable the process is. Yes, that is very true. I've never come to think of it yeah I was having this conversation with a male friend earlier about because English is not my first language so I have someone to look at all of my questions and like help me with my grammar and stuff and he have shared that he have done anal penetration to a woman and along those lines I've asked him have anybody penetrated you before and he said no I would never go there and it made me wonder how much is how much is this normalized for men to not even go yeah. there and how how it is much associated of a man being gay mm-hmm. if they enjoyed being mm-hmm. penetrated when really being penetrated from your behind doesn't really account for your sex your gender 
preference, right? It's just it's just a piece of you that's exploring pleasure and experiencing pleasure and allow things to be. And why do you think this is a stigma around sex, especially for straight men? Because I'm assuming your your clients are mostly straight men. Yes. Those men who have received anal penetration are straight men. So what do you think is the stigma around that area? I think it's the assumption that if you enjoy anal pleasure as a man, it means you're gay. Because it's also the presumption that all gay men are having anal sex. If gay men are having penetration, then they are having, I guess, anal sex, but not all gay men do penetration because sex is way more than just about penetration. So it's our very limited, what I was saying earlier, about our very limited sense of how we use our bodies and what we can access in our bodies and what sex is. And it's become, Mm -hmm. I think it's all just so much to do with the founders of the patriarchy, you know, the, the Mm-hmm. essentially what the, the what are they called the three main religions that are the abrahamic religions or whatever it basically islam judaism and christianity gave us the, yeah. gave us this model of sexuality that good sex is for reproduction reproductive purposes and that's it and any other kind of sex is bad sex sex for pleasure sex on the pill sex what you know sex for pleasure is not allowed it's just meant to be between a monogamous married man and a woman for the sake of making babies and other than that it's distraction and it's wrong and it's bad and it's sinful it's dirty disgusting dangerous etc and anal sex falls into that category because there's no reproductive value out of anal sex that's true yes that's very true but i think our bodies you know what's really interesting is for the, the role we associate with our anus you know evacuating waste we have so many incredibly powerful nerve endings in our anus. It makes no sense that that was the only job. You know, it's like we have mm-hmm. these exquisite bodies that where we've got nerve endings and sensation all over our bodies, but we've got some particular hotspots and one of them is our anus and we ignore it. Mm-hmm. I haven't experienced it myself. So it's something that I'm on my checklist of book to explore, <laughs> right? Because it's... And so when you experience it, bear in mind, you will be experiencing it as a woman without a prostate gland. Like this is the thing that men have this treasure trove inside. And yes, you can access the prostate through the perineum. And that's very pleasurable and really beautiful. But accessing it directly, it's just mm-hmm. so mind blowing. And men are cutting themselves off because of their stigma and the stereotypes and their concern that somehow this will make them gay. And it's it's really sad. But then, you know, we also did talk about how when you receive sexually, that means you're accessing your feminine. And if your conditioning is that the only way to be a man is being 100% masculine and you can't allow feminine energy, because this is our this is toxic masculine being expressed, right? That we can't be in balance in our bodies. We have to be extremely feminine or extremely masculine. Can you share how the boundaries or expectation being set up prior to engaging in anal penetration? This is obviously a super, super, super important question. What comes to mind straight away is a comment a friend made only yesterday on one of my posts. She noticed that the word consensual, as in consent, has in it the word sensual. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, doesn't that just help everybody understand the word Mm -hmm. consent? As long as whatever you're doing is still sensual, as in pleasurable and really noticing the sensation and the sensuality, consent is, it seems to me that that's the place where there is still consent. So it's all about, especially for a first time, like anal sex can get rough and hard, just like 
vaginal sex can. You can do it really hard. You can really pound into a man, mm-hmm. but you don't pound into a virgin. With any virgin, whether it's a vaginal virgin or an anal virgin, you don't take them by force. You don't push something into them ever, ever, ever. That's how you damage people. It's always about keeping Mm -hmm. it really sensual, really slow, really gentle, elegant, exquisite, very conscious, very, very sensitive. So you, you can get prostate massage toys. I would never use that. I would never use a dildo or any anything other than my fingers not until the man I'm with is so experienced and comfortable with that because you want the feedback Mm -hmm. the thing about doing anything with your with a body part is you're getting the energetic feedback from the person you're you're enjoying the pleasure with so I always use my fingers now the rule book if you want to have a rule book says you should wear gloves I never did I just I'm very happy to use soap and water if there's any dirt involved. Generally, there isn't because the bottom, you've got three sphincters. Don't quote me on this. So anyone listening, don't don't say Camilla said and prove me wrong. But I understand there are three levels of sphincter muscle within the anus. So therefore, the, the, the bottom sphincter muscle, I'm showing you on my fingers and this is a, an audio recording. This is crazy. The outer sphincter muscle is the one that we kind of know just inside the anal rose, right? Between that one and the next is like, um, it's, a, it's a chamber. It gets, it's just a passageway. Nothing gets stored there. So generally in a healthy mm-hmm. digestive system, that is pretty much empty. So you're not, gonna, you're not going to be pushing a finger in and rummaging around in a load of feces. It just very, very rarely happens. And if it happens, you just wash your hand afterwards. And I'm guessing most people doing this are going to be doing it with partners. So it's not going to, you're going to know your own partner. So use a finger, use only one finger, use an index finger, make an invitation, keep it slow, keep it really, really gentle. And just as with vaginas, the muscles literally open and pull in. And this is so exciting for a woman because... When you're self-pleasuring yourself as a woman, you, I don't, because of the positioning of your finger related to your own yoni, I don't think you feel this pull, this suck in as well as you do when you're being pulled into a man. I don't know. I never have. I just find it's, so yes, so you make the invitation and you just allow his muscles to literally, it's like sucking you in. And if, mm-hmm. if that doesn't happen, you just, you leave it at that. You keep yeah. you keep the sensation to outside. You pleasure the perineum. You pleasure the anal rose. You pleasure the buttocks. You just allow it to take whatever time it's going to be, just as if it were a vaginal penetration at the first time. You don't push in. There's no force. So this is, I guess, a question for me or for any woman who is interested to be exploring this with their partner. If a heterosexual couple wants to explore anal sex as the woman to be the giving and the man to be receiving... What are the things that they need to be, to do in order to prepare themselves for that exploration? I know you've touched on it on a little bit with what you have shared. Is there anything else? Have a good lube because the anus isn't like the vagina. It doesn't naturally lubricate. Mm-hmm. So although it stretches and opens naturally and it, and it's very open to pleasure, particularly with an anal virgin, with someone who's not used to it, it's not going to, well, it's never going to lubricate on its own, but it's not going to stretch as easily because there's because we've got so much tension and stigma and anxiety around it it does take a while for the anus to just I guess it's it's the mind-body connection yeah to relax and slowly let go relax and 
let go and so have lube use plenty 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 of lube so there's lots of lots lots of slippery and slidiness have just be so sure you're in that safe place where your partner the receiving partner knows that they are safe and there is no there is no shame there is no disappointment there's nothing attached to the outcome Mm -hmm. like make it about curiosity about playfulness about just seeing what where the body wants to go mm-hmm. so she if if it's a woman giving she needs to drop a gender it's not i want to give him a prostate orgasm on this first occasion let it drop just let drop just drop all agenda all expectation mm-hmm. any outcome i never had an outcome when i was working i never had an outcome i just wanted to see where it would go and invariably when the man has had enough the anus will push the finger out just like a vagina. <laughs> Just like a vagina. And it might be because it, uh, there's an orgasm happening. Mm-hmm. And it might be just, this is enough for now. But invariably he will say, oh, that's enough for now. This is amazing. And that's enough for now. Mm-hmm. Because this is all so new. It's all so virginal. It's all just such delicate new territory, right? So both people to drop ha- drop any sense of an agenda. So sex has become very goal-orientated, agenda-led points on the you know ticking things off a list I do not think that's a healthy energy to enter anal sex with mm-hmm. either whether a woman or a man being the recipient to me when you're starting to explore things like anal sex if there is so much vulnerability and sensitivity and it's the vulnerability it's that deep deep humanness like just just step into that space mm-hmm with so much more reverence and kindness and compassion and care and love rather than with a kind of the energy of I must conquer. Yes, which is which normally is for a lot of people who engage in sex, right? Like for men who engage in sex, I must conquer her. For women who engage in sex, I must have my own orgasm or I need to be the best sex ever this man will ever experience there's always this agenda and what's really nice about exploring that sacred holistic piece of sexuality is just allowing things to be it's like if i'm not gonna have orgasm that's okay if he's the only one receiving pleasure that's okay and making sure that there's a conversation about boundaries and expectation prior to coming in and I think a lot of the misconception I find for anal sex is that one of the things I've heard when I was in high school like once somebody's got penetrated from behind they can't control how they want to (laughs) poo because they're like they (laughs) anus is so stretched out that it can't control anymore. The poop would just come out. And and I was like 16 at that time when I first heard it. And I'm like, what is that? And so it's something that I was like, there's so much misinformation and stigma that people fail to have that conversation once they're in that container, right? That myth that you picked up at 16 from school is like the myth that once women have babies, their vaginas are so stretched, they're no longer pleasurable lovers. I mean, it's the same nonsense. Like our bodies can stretch to do something or to experience something and they can't go back again their muscles yes um, and you know it, it expand and, like to span and relax like anything else like if someone gains weight you know not unless they're overly <laughs> overweight then they won't have soggy skin right and and i'm curious i find you such an inspiration as like from an app like you know from this 
person who's just cruising life, enjoying the work that she do, to suddenly sitting down and saying to herself, shit, I need to have more fun in my life, who have found uh, a sense of empowerment in the work that you do as a sacred prostitute. I'm wanting to know how would you or what would you say to the women in the sex industry? How would they find empowerment in the work that they do? Especially us women are always put down in so many ways, especially when when we're stepping Mm. into our sexual power. I think the number one thing is to control your work. I don't know whether I was lucky or whether this was because of the energy with which I entered the work. I was going, I wanted to control what I was doing. I wanted to control my day, control my diary, control who I saw. I had my own website. I set my own rates. I've never worked with an agency. Mm. When women in all walks of life feel safer when they join an organization that then controls them. And it's kind of like, it's counterintuitive, but actually when you step out on your own and you step up in your own space and in your own right, you are so much stronger and more empowered than if you cling to a protective yeah, institution framework that's actually using you. Yes. So I think the number one thing to do sex work from a place of empowerment is to run your own business and do it on your own terms. And with, with you know, with the internet and yes. all the various, yeah, there's no reason. I can't imagine why any woman would join an agency. And it's interesting. And I know, have you heard OnlyFans? Yes, exactly. And I think that's the reason why OnlyFans exploded because a lot of women in the porn industry are being used and manipulated by an institution and how they would show up, perform, or take in clients, but they don't really get the financial benefits from it fully. And yep. now we're in a revolution. Awesome. <laughs> right? Yeah, or stand or stand in their power and say, this is how I give sex. This is how I work in this industry. I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. Yeah. You know, so one of my things was, you know, if I'd worked in an agency, I'd have had a driver who'd have driven me around and dropped me off and picked me up, which meant that my sessions would have been ended by someone Mm -hmm. else. And I decided very early on, if it's my choice, if I want to give a client an extra 10 minutes because there's something we've uncovered in the work or something that's going on, I'm going to give those extra 10 minutes. It's my time. I can use it as I bloody like. I don't want invariably a male driver banging on the door telling me how I can do my work. That's not empowerment. Mm -hmm. And then people, you know, I see people doing stuff in the sex industry. I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't do that. I mean, there are so many things I could not and would not want to do, but everyone finds their own way. And I think it's about doing what's in alignment for you and being prepared to grow and change in the role rather Mm -hmm. than thinking, and really being truthful with yourself about that. That's that's wonderful. And I know that we're using Annabelle as as a person of reference. I'm curious if there's any men out there. I know you're based in, in the UK, but if there's any men out there who would want to travel half across the world <laughs> or even just near your area, just to be able to work with you. Because what sounds like with all of our growth, right, you have incorporated the sacred prostitute our coaching work into mm-hmm. it i don't know if that's what you add to your uh, sessions as well but if someone wants to follow you or connect with you and explore the work with you right maybe they they hear this and they're like okay now i want to explore anal with her <laughs> right it sounds like i'm gonna be safe with her how can they find you or where should they go in order to find you Oh, this is why I've got bad news, because I haven't worked as Annabelle since this time last year. In a while. No. Oh, that's... 
you can't make I couldn't begin to work out how to make the work COVID secure that's true well when and I don't know I don't know I'm right at that point you know the world is opening up again and I'm right at that point of funnily enough this afternoon leading up to this evening's call I was thinking would I go back to it you know it feels like such a distant past because it is a whole year and I've yes. thrown myself so much into the coaching side of my business. And I, I genuinely at the moment don't know, but um, my website is still up. I'll put a link in a description box for it later on. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name. I'll make sure you have the name of the website. But yeah, I really, really don't know. I feel like I'm at another of those, as I've just said, you know, you've got, you've got to allow yourself to grow. I absolutely loved every single moment that I worked as Annabelle. Am I going to return to that? way of working I don't know I feel there's a part of me that really wants to step into the teaching of it rather than the yeah the hands-on delivery so yeah. and that's what's really nice about the work that we do right that we end up we constantly have to evaluate whether or not what we have right now at the present moment still fits with who we have become mm-hmm. right and sometimes it's 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 a good ride but then it has to end or sometimes it's like we can keep going right yeah, yeah. exactly and I don't know I'm, I'm going to lean into it I'm going to I've just ignored it because there was nothing I could do when COVID struck I couldn't I couldn't keep working mm-hmm. and I just had to like the rest of the world pivot and just mm-hmm. be very focused and draw a line and now it's like oh maybe I don't have to have such a strong line maybe so we'll see you can be somewhere in between yeah yeah indeed well thank you so much Annabelle for coming into my podcast it's such an honor and such an inspiration to have this conversation with you and I've learned so much I wish that listeners have learned so much on how to open up their sexuality and what else they can explore within their own sexuality so for that thank you you're very welcome thank you thank you wow Thank you so much, Annabelle, for coming in and sharing your exquisite journey. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and be sure to follow my Instagram for updates and what is about to come next. Again, this is your host, Francis, and until next time.